Well, hello there, listener. My name is Matthew Renfro, host of The Fro Show, and you're listening to another great Four-Eyed Radio product. For more shows, check out foureyedradio.com. Today on Ranger Command Power Hour. Where I come from, the concepts of fate and destiny do not register any valued significance. We held free will and the volition to pursue one's own path with the highest providence. The path I had chosen was one marked by a curse of curiosity. A curiosity that blurred the line between free will and fate. Preordained or not, my fate was sealed. was my destiny to discover this power. And now it is your destiny to use it. May the power protect you. Today on the Power Hour, Episode 17, Ranger Nation interview, Cisco Davis Jr., Zordon of Altar, Teenagers with Attitude, recorded on July 29th, 2014. Welcome to the Ranger Command Power Hour on the Four-Eyed Radio Network. It's time to Ranger up with your hosts. I'm Eric, also known as Trekkie B47. I'm Zach, also known as the Cinema Slob. And I'm Chris, also known as Kickback. This episode is brought to you by Raven Designs illustration and design that fit your personality for samples and inquiries visit ravencruise.com today we are interviewing cisco davis jr creator director writer producer and visual effects of the power ranger fan film projects zordon of eltar and teenagers with attitude zordon of eltar and teenagers with attitude are unofficial non-profit fan films that reimagine the saga of the mighty Morphin power rangers Zordon of Eltar is a reboot prequel that centers around two quintessential characters that make up the backbone of the Power Rangers lore, Rita Repulsa and Zordon. Teenagers with Attitude is the second fan film in the series. It will be a short fan film that features a reimagined cast of the original five teens, Jason, Zack, Trini, Billy, and Kimberly, before they meet Zordon and become the Power Rangers. Sisko is planning to have the fan film screened at Power Morphicon this month. Welcome to the Ranger Command Power Hour, Cisco. Thank you for having me. We're glad you could be here. We're very excited about this project. We're just going to get straight into the interview so or interrogation. Or the interrogation, <laughs> yes. 
I'm war- I'm strapped down, everybody, and I was waterboarded a little bit before the show. But yeah, that, was really, fine. that was the weirdest pre-interview request I've ever seen, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I, had get, I had to get ready, you know. I know I had fun. <laughs> so can you tell us a little bit about your history with the Power Rangers franchise? Did you grow up with the show? Yeah, I did grow up with the show. I was in Germany at the time when the show came out. I was actually born and raised there before I moved to the States. So when we got Power Rangers, it was a little bit behind. But I remember seeing like there was like a scholastic book order you know, at a book fair or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I went there and I was looking at the form and I just – on the front page, it was just, it's just called Power Rangers and it's for a VHS tape. And it was above my allowance. I didn't know anything about it. I just saw something about dinosaurs, and it seemed kind of cool because, you know, dinosaurs were cool back in elementary school. Right. And, you know, I asked my mom if I could get it since it was a little bit over my book fair allowance. She said after, like, bugging her for, like, two or three days, she finally said yes because it was, like, due Friday. And I ended up getting it, and me and my younger brothers watched that Day of the Dumpster VHS, like, 100 billion times. And that's how it all began, really. And I watched when we moved to the states. I watched it, and I was actually caught up. There's apparently Green Rangers and White Rangers and stuff that we didn't know about. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I started phasing out a little bit around Zeo and Turbo, and then came back during In Space. And then after the Zordon era, you know, after In Space, mm-hmm. I kind of just just stopped watching. Now, as an older fan, did you get back into it at some point? Because I know all of us started watching again when Tommy came back and Dino Yes, Thunder. yes, yes, yes. There, when, when he did come back, I watched maybe, I want to say, four or five episodes, and then I kind of phased out. Mm-hmm. I phased back out again. That, that was during a time where a lot of stuff, like personal things were happening, like my mom got sick and everything. Yeah, mm-hmm. I did watch the, when Tommy came back, but after that, I still kind of phased out. What was your inspiration to come back to the fandom? Well, it's funny because, like, for some reason that I want to say, I can't really speak for every director because, you know, I'm just one person, you know, I'm just one director. But for me, I would imagine that most filmmakers, they always have some type of film that they would like to do. And for some reason, for me, it was always I wanted to remake Power Rangers. And it's been like that for the last 10 years. Last summer, I did a film festival contest, film competition, and after that, I, was, I had made plans for my next project because you know I wanted to keep up with the momentum I, that I had already built. Mm-hmm. And then I went and saw Pacific Rim, <laughs> and that movie just totally changed everything. I saw it that Saturday, and I saw that you could have giant robots in a movie fighting monsters, and it was believable. It had a little bit of silliness in it, which is kind of good because you know Power Rangers is a kids show. So yeah. You do want to have a little. You do want to have something that kids can enjoy in it, but it can also have those serious tones to it as well mm-hmm. for adults to enjoy. And I just saw that movie, went home, came back the next day, watched it again, and I was like, I'm doing a fan film, and that's pretty much how it all started, really. Pacific Rim. One of our Ranger Nation listeners, Leonardo Talvera, or at LRTB underscore III, he asked what was the spark that got this whole thing going. So you would say Pacific Rim? It definitely was Pacific Rim, without a doubt. There was, I think there was a scene in early in the movie of Pacific Rim where Mako, mm-hmm. Japanese girl character, when they first introduced her, she had an umbrella and she like lifted it up and she saw her. And when I just saw that woman, I was like, that's Rita Repulsa to me. You know, that's how I would want to, that's how I would want to introduce her to like something like a cool shot like that. And I was just hooked for nice. throughout the whole movie. That was my spark for sure. 
How did you go from the spark and this inspiration? How did you go about going from where you went there with this idea to actually making the thing? Did you have any help or fundraising or uh, what was yeah, that process? I did, do, I, did, I did do a fundraiser. It's funny because when this project first started, I mean, obviously it has, it has snowballed into something that I can barely keep control of. But it started out like I'm going to do a fan film. Let me do something. Let me think small. What's something mm-hmm. that I could do by myself? You know, I didn't really know how to do visual effects at the time, but I was the only Power Ranger fan on the project at all. Everyone that I got on board, you know, they've never really watched it. They were a little bit older than me. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, when Power Rangers came out, it was like out of their range. I wanted to make just a small short film that maybe like, let me go into the backstory of Rita and Zordon. Let me just do something real small and short, like maybe she's captured or something. The story of the final moments before she gets sealed in a dumpster. Let me do a real small story between five and ten minutes long. That's where it started. And so we went to Kickstart. Let's do a Kickstarter. I wanted to raise $1,500, so that -hmm. would be enough to get some really good, decent costumes and then also be able to do the whatever back end that we need to make DVDs to send off to people that contributed shipping and all that just to me fifteen hundred dollars seemed feasible to make that five to ten minute film Mm -hmm. we ended up raising five times that much that ultimately my filmmaker logic was like well we raised five times our budget let's make it five times bigger (laughs) now we're doing an hour long film zordon of eltar is now an hour long i figured really that i only had one shot at doing this film period Mm -hmm. so i might as well go all out go big or go home that's why I took the went to go the extra mile with it, and then then teenagers with attitude came along. I was like, well, let me you know, let me just let's plan ahead to do a shoot in this summer. Let me write something that I could shoot in a weekend. What was the inspiration for that? Because you you're already working on uh, Zordon of Eltar, so how did teenagers with attitude come about? It came about because early on during the Kickstarter, before the Kickstarter really ended, people asked if we would. Are we doing anything with the Rangers? Or are there any Rangers at all? I was like, no, this is just this is mainly a story that focuses on Zordon. This is a Zordon film. This isn't a Ranger film. And mm-hmm. I had to tell people that a lot. But when I said earlier that my dream film to do was a Power Rangers movie, and technically, even though the Zordon film is in that universe, area, it's in that universe, it still isn't a Ranger film, which is mm. what I would like to do. If I wanted to do Power Rangers, I needed to build a new universe, to play a new playground to play in. That's why I wanted to start from the ground up. And in order to do that, you had to go back into the past and set up some of the, the ten thousand years ago yeah, type 10, of stuff. Yeah, all that stuff. So I wanted to lay the groundwork for something that could take place the time where the teens were the Rangers and Angel Grove and all that. That's really where Teenagers with Attitude came about, and it was just something that I believed that I could do for fairly cheap. Mm-hmm. And put my little flair on it. Yeah, now I've seen the preview stuff that you've put out for the Zordon film. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, looking at that, the effects look incredible. And you did that all yourself? Did you have any prior uh, effects well, experience? I'll, let me clarify. <laughs> the main thing that I do not know how to do is 3D animation for creatures. I do have help, a very small team of helpers. And we haven't really touched on 
uh, that VFX work, we're not really going to start doing that major VFX stuff until September, basically after Power Morphicon. That's when we're really going to get together, put our brains together, and figure out a workflow with the people from around the country that have are volunteering. There's Damone Amerson. He's the guy who did the Dragon Zord. He designed it and everything. And there's a guy named Tim Hess who's been helping me. Uh, there's another guy named Justin. And they're the, my guys that I have to do the 3D animation stuff with creatures. I know how to do the green screen stuff. Take a dinosaur, a moving dinosaur image, and plop it where I needed it to be and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But when I started this project, I did not know how to do any of that. If you watch the Kickstarter video, the effects in there, I did that with two to three weeks experience with the doing visual effects, with working with 3D objects. A spaceship's easy to put into a shot because there's not really a whole lot of moving parts to it. Things that are walking and talking. That's way above my head. I have to say, the recent trailer teaser that you guys put out was pretty awesome. I really got pumped for the project. And after we talked, we kind of mentioned your project on our last episode on the Ranger Roundtable, bringing up the MMPR reboot. When I saw that trailer again, I'm like, we got to get this guy on here. (laughs) (laughs) We got to talk about this because... That's the trend. It seems like MMPR is getting this big resurgence, especially now with Saban doing this reboot movie. And Mm -hmm. there have been recently, too, other fan film projects in the works. Mm -hmm. What do you think sets your fan film apart from maybe some of the others that are out there right now or others that are planned? Coming into this project, I didn't know that there really were any other Power Ranger fan films until I started my Kickstarter. I learned about like the MMPR fan film. And there was another one I think I saw. The Red Ranger, he's like fighting somebody in an alley or something like that. Red Rising, I think. That's, yeah. that's pretty much the extent of what I knew. And then those are fan films that I haven't really seen. So I can't really speak for that. But what I can say is just that my heart is definitely in the right place to make the film. You know, this isn't a job for me or it's not a business venture for me. I'm just doing it just because it's something I've always wanted to do. I care that much. I care so much that I want to be a part of the just the history of the franchise. Like, oh, this is my contribution to it. What else What else is there? I think I had some notes here. <laughs> oh, so you prepared for the interrogation. <laughs> I, I, I tried, yeah, you know, I mean, that's why I requested the waterboarding and everything. Right. <laughs> I'm also kind of, I'm not afraid to, like, let go of some things. Mm-hmm. Which, to give you an example... When I first started a fan film, or when I first put it out on Kickstarter and stuff like that, and it's like so slowly building the uh, the fan base or whatnot, a lot of people were saying, "Oh, you should get David Fielding to do the voice for Zordon, or you should be, you should do this, or you should get, you should get these people that are involved with the original Power Rangers stuff." And I was, I was the first person to say, "No, I don't." Right. I'm not afraid to say no to that. I'm not afraid to let this film stand on its own two feet, on its own merit. You know what I mean? You know, I don't Without the hindrance of cameos and that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't. That's not the main selling point. I don't want anything like that to be the major selling point of my project. Really, I just, I just wanted to just stand on its own two feet. I mean, I kind of rub some people the wrong way with my attitude towards things like that, but mm-hmm. I'm not afraid to have that attitude. One of our listeners and uh, was a guest co-host a couple times, uh, Nightmare. She runs the Power Scoop blog. And she kind of suggested this question, but she also said at the end, giving you kudos to going about the film the right way. And I don't, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that was a dig toward um, maybe the MMPR <laughs> fan film or whatever, but 
I have to echo her statement. Like it sounds like you have this vision and you're sticking to the vision and you're not letting anything else get in the way of that vision. And I really respect that. Cool. Appreciate it. So what would you say has been the biggest challenge in bringing these films to life? Being patient. My biggest weakness really is that I'm working on stuff and I want to show you guys so much. Like I got some renders today I just want to post it on. I just want to post those on the page so bad, but just to show you guys, like I, I like sharing stuff. Yeah, it's it's like you know. Let me wait. Let me wait a little bit. Being patient is definitely one of the big challenges. Working with people's availability, because for the most part, everybody involved in the project is volunteering their time. Mm-hmm. For the, for the Zordon project, it was a lot more lax since it is shot on a blue and a green screen. Basically, we can just shoot people when they're available. If there's a scene with multiple people in it, they don't all have to be there at the same time. You know, I can just it'll it's more work for me in the long run. But mm-hmm. you know, if somebody's available on Saturday and one person's available only on Sundays. I can still film them for the same scene. Just got to do it separately, and I'll just plug them all in together. For teenagers with attitude, we had planned that shoot four or five months in advance. Mm. So, so back in like January, February, I was already getting things ready to go to shoot at the end of June and everything. We almost had a little scare in there, but everything went off without a hitch. It was the best filming experience of, of my, my life so far. Now, the way things are going, it seems like Teenagers with Attitude will be released first. Yeah, yeah. Originally, I wanted to release Zordon of Elantar and then Teenagers with Attitude a week after it. Because, I mean, Teenage with Attitude definitely takes place after Zordon of Eltar, but Teenage with Attitude, is, there's nowhere near the amount of a visual effects in it. Right. And it's going to be finished way before we finish Zordon. So we're just going to release it when it's done, you know, put it online, and, yeah, then you guys can just get the first peek into this new universe. They're both very different films. Mm. Um, even, even though they're related, Teenagers with Attitude is more of a modern feel to it, whereas Zordon of Eltar is a total... I wanted to make it like a Star Wars movie or like a video game like Mass Effect or something like that. I wanted to oh, give nice. it that. I wanted the universe to have that type of vibe to it. So that they are very different films, so it's, it's okay if I release Teenagers with Attitude early. Okay. I want to give you major kudos for not only creating what looks like two like, amazing films that you're doing... But also for like uh, kind of let what Mir said um, on her little comment there, just the fact that number one you're not trying to rely on like a, a cast member from the show from over the last 21 years, mm-hmm. try to give you that extra boost. Not that that would be what other filmmakers are doing, so to speak, but <laughs> it, it kind of felt that way. Like, hey, check it out. The original Red Ranger said he likes it. He wants to be in it. Yeah, isn't that cool? Don't you guys want to see that? No, I don't personally. And it's nice to see someone going, you know what? That's awesome. There's already history here. There's already like the now has already happened. Let's go take a look at the stuff that we didn't see. And the fact you're doing that just makes me want to see it anymore. So thank you for doing that. Thanks. Yeah, I really got to just kind of agree with uh, what Chris said and what Mare said is, you know, you're doing this thing and you're you're doing it your own way and you're staying true to the fandom and and trying to be like, hey, this is what I'm creating that, you know, hopefully you guys will enjoy as much as you enjoy Mm -hmm. the main franchise. And I think that's awesome. Thanks. Thanks, guys. I definitely wanted to, if anybody gets, enjoys one thing out of what I'm doing, then I did my job right. That's what I'm going for, really. I'm so glad that your original story with uh, Zordon of Eltar 
I'm so glad that you're going back into that past because that is something that even we never saw that much of in the original series. Mm-hmm. And that's such a ripe area of storytelling. Yeah. That's, and that, once that started, the gears started going in my brain, you know, I was like, that's, it just was a huge playground for storytelling that I just, I had a field day. Creating a 60 minute film from a 10 minute film was not hard for me to do. Now I have to ask, will there be power eggs? No. Okay. <laughs> it was just that was just one of those throwaway things from the original, and you're like, "What the heck are the power eggs?" And then it just it's never mentioned again. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> one last question. Now that Saban has announced that they're going to be rebooting the franchise with an MMPR movie, what are your thoughts on that? My immediate thought was, crap, I better release this teaser so people can see something. <laughs> Let me release this teaser before I get shut down so at least people see that I have been working very hard. That was my first thought. That was my very first thought. Other than that, I was, I'm looking forward to it for sure, for better or for worse. I'm the type of fan who, if I really like something and they're doing a new movie or something based on it, based on what I liked from the past, I try to hide myself in a bubble. So I go into it with little to no expectations, so I'm not too disappointed, for better or for worse. And I'm going to go into that bubble with the Power Rangers movie. It is something I've always wanted to do, so of course I'm going to have my own little personal bias, but I'm still going to be there opening day. I might even lose 20 or 30 pounds so I can fit into one of those suits, you know. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to it. Nice. Well, we did have a couple people on our Ranger Nation Answers segment. So Solomon D at Solomon underscore D said, well, this kind of relates to earlier, but what steps did you take to make your films and characters to make sure they were different from, he said, from fan films as well as the TV series? So I guess that relates more with maybe Teenagers with Attitude and reimagining these new teens. For the new teens, it really boiled down to what kind of story I wanted each character to tell. And I'll be honest, when I, the, the characters were pretty flat when I went back and watched the first season, at least. Mm-hmm. They're, they're pretty flat. That's why, of the characters, the one character that really changed the most uh, was Trini's character. But I kind of based her off of the pilot episode, Trini. Um, oh, I see. You know, so, where she was a little bit more tougher. I had to change Trini just because she was just too flat for me. And then the mm-hmm. whole group was a little too kumbaya. And, you know, I just wanted to, <laughs> I wanted, I wanted to create some, like, just some dynamics between a team. So, so there could be better stories to tell. Like, one of the main things you'll, you'll find out about me is that I want to tell better stories with the characters. If you don't care about the characters or if you don't give a crap about the characters, then it's not really worth watching. So I wanted to take, I wanted to take these characters and give them depth. The main thing that you would notice or be able to start picking up on with these characters is that there is more depth to them mm. rather than, you know, I'm just here to react to whatever situation I'm in or, you know, the iguana <laughs> became a monster and we need to, like, use this fire hydrant or this uh, thing. Stop it, you know? <laughs> I'd watch that episode. <laughs> 
you'd you'd watch the updated version of the uh, iguanodon episode. The, the, the Salaguana. <laughs> yes. Yeah, there's an iguana that you have to kill with a fire hydrant. I'm all yeah. about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, now, Chris, you had a question. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm just I'm I'm I was trolling you, Eric, more than anything. Else. <laughs> yeah, my, my dream, my dream is for someone to be like, "Hey, there's not a lot of history about the Zeo Gold Ranger. We should do something about that." That is my dream, and I've waited 18 years. I will wait another 18 if I'm. <laughs> Well, let's do our own fan film, Chris. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> I wouldn't even watch our own fan film. <laughs> Cisco, where can people find Zordon of Eltar and Teenagers with Attitude online? You can find out. I'm pretty good at updating you guys regularly on the Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash Zordon fan film. We also have a YouTube page where we will be posting our videos, and you can check out our old stuff on there, youtube.com slash Zordon fan film. I do another podcast, video gaming podcast, called Gamers Digest. You can find that out on gamersdigest.me. We also have a YouTube page, or uh, I can't. I don't remember the name of it, though. <laughs> I'm sure the links are all there on yeah. <laughs> on your site. <laughs> well, thanks so much for joining us on Ranger Command today. It's yeah. great having you on. I'm really looking forward to this. I saw that teaser that you guys updated, and it was just great. You did a video where it had some behind-the-scenes shots, yeah. and you would like cut in between the real movie and how you made it and yeah i, oh, I love the behind the scenes stuff i thought yeah. very creative yeah that was neat the breakdown the breakdown yeah. video yeah those are fun I might, I might end up doing a complete breakdown of the whole film maybe that would be good oh, cool to watch yeah. i'd be the first in line to buy that dvd <laughs> <laughs> nothing's for sale though <laughs> right, right. Oh, yeah. It's all uh, download. I'll download it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Thanks so much, Cisco. It's been a pleasure having you on. Thank you. Thank you for having me, guys. Woo. Finally, we're alone. <laughs> Ooh, oh, my. <laughs> oh, my. Oh. You okay, Chris? <laughs> I just got done editing like 200 Gundam pictures. <laughs> That's a lot of Gundam. That is a lot of Gundam. Was that at the Bandai booth? Uh, I was at the Bluefin distribution booth. Oh, cool. Yeah, I decided I was going to do something different and see if that was something that Toku Nation dudes and dudettes, but mostly dudes, liked. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, so I guess we're going to do our post... Not CDC, but... (laughs) (laughs) SDCC... (laughs) Uh, I don't know why I do that. Maybe too I'm... soon, too soon. Everyone too dying soon. from Ebola like 20 miles away. Come on. <laughs> so next, we are going to do our news segment with a special focus on post-San Diego Comic-Con wrap-up with Kickback. Yo. You've so own segment. <laughs> I'm moving up in the world. It only costs me like four grand to do it. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> Well, welcome back. I knew you flew in yesterday or today. Uh, I, I got in roughly, <laughs> roughly like at the very beginning of the morning, like midnight is when I landed. So oh, yeah. that was after being up for a while. So yeah. 
So I t- tell us about it. Like, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> well, you see, <laughs> once a year the stork comes, and no. <laughs> Companies come and drop millions of dollars to build displays outside the convention center. Inhibit your ability to walk from point A to point B without having to go through C, D, E, F, and G. They spend millions of dollars, hire millions and millions of dollars of payroll to have people stand around and be like, "Stand here, please." Next, (laughs) next. And they spend two days building it and a day and a half tearing it down, and like it's up for like. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and that's it. And they start tearing it down Sunday. So my I want to get to that point in my life where I can blow millions of dollars <laughs> building a statue of Toku Nation like, <laughs> that plays lights and sounds and music, and then like three days later, tear it all down like it never had it. <laughs> no, well, uh, <laughs> show it was, was fun. Sorry. No. <laughs> Well, speaking of Toku Nation, Toku Nation did some amazing coverage for San Diego Comic-Con, especially with the Bandai booth pictures and all of the news you guys broke on preview night. I thought it was great coverage. Thank you. Thank you. It's one of those things where, not to go into too much detail for everybody mm-hmm. else that might have the idea of, like, I'm going to go cover San Diego Comic-Con on preview night. Uh, it, there's a lot that goes into it, and it can be incredibly frustrating and not everything every time you think you have it all figured out and you have your your attack plan figured out because keep in mind i didn't just do toku nation yes i did toku nation right. on wednesday night but then i was covering for uh, toyark.com and tfw2005.com which are part of our uh, the network that i'm on mm-hmm. so it was like all of that and there's four of us total doing it so yeah i mean we got the images up or whatever and then it was just move on to the next booth and i i didn't really get a chance to look back i i my goal was to go shoot more pictures of Bandai at some point, and I think I did. I, I don't remember. <laughs> like, <laughs> is, is it all a blur at this point? The days start running together. They really do, because nothing changes. Like, you walk in on Thursday morning, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of people. And then you walk in on Friday morning, there's still a lot of people. <laughs> on Saturday, you walk in, and there's even more people. But nothing really changes. Everything's exactly where it was the day before. Everyone's still rushing to get in line to buy an exclusive so they can turn it around and sell it on eBay. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. Like, yeah. No offense to anyone on Facebook, Rangers. You guys are all good people. I get along with most of you. But the amount of people begging for someone to buy them a Dragon Dagger before <laughs> San Diego Comic-Con and the sheer number of people posting their auction for the Dragon Dagger after Comic-Con just makes me like shake my head and be like, you know what, just play a game of how much money will you give me with each other and just stop. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's like, yeah, I got IGN's number one rated item from San Diego Comic-Con. Oh, God. You know, and personally, I I mean, now I'm going off on a tangent and all that fun stuff, but it's like, you know what? Like, it was cool and everything like that, but, and you could tell, like, everyone was there for the Dragon Daggers because on Sunday at 3.30 p.m., they were going to allow people to line up at the Bandai booth to buy Mm -hmm. any exclusives that were not claimed from that raffle system they did. Oh, and believe it or not, no Dragon Daggers were available, but every other exclusive was available Sunday afternoon for lining up by the Bandai booth at 2 p.m. and it stretched a good probably four or five hundred feet down the wall. 
and curved and had to go down another booth. Now, please tell me that the exclusive for the armored Black Ranger was not that crazy. It's hard to say because on Wednesday, Bluefin Tamashi was slammed, hardcore slammed. Like they had Mm -hmm. when Tamashi, Bluefin Tamashi has to create three separate lines, line A, line B, and line C to try to manage it, and they're lining up against the back wall in front of the concession stand and everything like that, and they're going down like a quarter of the convention center. It's pretty crazy. And keep in mind, they only had two actual exclusives, but they also were having very early release before they were released anywhere else. Sailor Jupiter and one of the Naruto figure arts. Oh, wow. Were also released at the show this year. You could collect and get your five Sailor Scouts taken care of. It was one of those things where at first they're like, okay, just one, just one. But at one point towards the end of the show, I'd be in there talking to one of the workers about some stuff, and some guy would walk up and be like, yeah, can I get a, can I get a Vegeta? And they're like, how many do you want? He's like, can I get a case? And they're like, yeah, here, here you go. Oh, God. <laughs> and people are doing it at the Black Ranger, too. So I think the demand was there. But when I got mine, mm-hmm. when I walked up, it was like 3 o'clock in the afternoon, one person in line. An hour and a half later, there was a line back against the wall again. That's so weird. Yeah, so I don't know what in the world was going on over there, but you know what? I got to give some major props to, to Bluefin Tamashi Nations. They were awesome. They were incredibly friendly, took the time to talk to me, answer any of my questions, not just once, but multiple times when we'd run into each other outside the area and stuff like that. And just make small talk. They're incredibly professional, incredibly personable. All the love in the world to those guys. That's awesome. And just from seeing them at Toy Fair earlier this year, I can agree. They're a great bunch of people. Oh, yeah. And you know what? I try to... And maybe this is why, like, I'm not a an awesome journalist. I'm one of those <laughs> people. I believe in I believe in respect. Yeah. And they're there to do a job. Their yeah. job is to get number one is to get themselves ready for the show, and then number two, run and manage the show. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to be that guy that walks up and they have three lines going up, being like, "Excuse me, can you take some time to talk?" No. If I see them and they're not in the middle of running around with their head cut off, right. you know, I'm like, "Hey, do you want to set up a time later to sit down and talk?" And nine mm-hmm. times out of ten, they do. And then sometimes I just came up and was walking by, and one of the individuals waved me down, and we we're talking. This individual just happened to be eating while we were talking, and they was like, oh, no, let, you know, ask any questions you want. I got plenty of time right now. Let's go. And that was cool. And then Bandai, got to give a lot of props to Bandai. Mm-hmm. Again, incredibly friendly, personable, very secretive about saying things, <laughs> like very yeah. select and chosen answers. Like mm. I remember I was listening, some guy was talking about the Legacy Tigers or to one of the Bandai reps. I don't know what position she worked. I never got a chance to speak to her. Right. Like, he's like, oh, man, he's like, it's the Tiger Zord. Yeah, that thing was cool, man. Hey, it combined with some other stuff, didn't it? Oh, what were they called? <laughs> What were they called? And the girl's like, uh, the Dino Megazord and the Dragon Zord. He's like, yeah, yeah, that was it. I think that's it. She's like, yeah, I can combine with those. And I'm sitting here back. I'm like, no. You're like, yes, I know the Zord Builder means it can, but no, dude, you're thinking the Thunder Zords. Um, <laughs> I was the guy creeping with a camera standing behind me. Right. I actually, as I'm going through my photo editing software right now, I found a guy that photobombed one of my pictures, so I got to get him. <laughs> I'll post it up on the Toku Nation Twitter and be like, you, you've won a prize. What prize would you like? Now let's talk about what Bandai revealed at San Diego Comic-Con for these legacy items. Uh, We've got Saba, the Tiger Zord, the White Ranger movie morpher, and they also had the PMC exclusive Ranger key set there. 
I'm all for more legacy items, especially when they're the quality of the Dragon Dagger or of the Dragon Zord. I was surprised, but I wasn't shocked because at Toy Fair, Bandai said that the legacy line would continue into 2015. I guess I wasn't surprised, but it's more Tommy stuff, basically. Yeah, I'm not surprised at that at all. <laughs> I'm not surprised at all, because, I mean, as much as we may or may not harp on the guy, yeah, for whatever reasons we have, and trust me, we have a laundry list of reasons, it sells. Mm-hmm. Jason David Frank sells his... For better... Career. Exactly. For better yeah, or for worse, he is the most memorable character in the franchise. Mm-hmm. He has become the face of the franchise, and that's mm-hmm. not to take anything away from anyone else. It's not my personal feeling, Right. As far as I think Saban and Bandai are concerned, he is the face of the franchise. He is their Optimus Prime. Or I guess you could say <laughs> Bumblebee now, you know. <laughs> yeah. So you were at the show, you got to see these in person. What were your feelings toward these items? Well, I was talking to Bandai. They did make a mention because I was trying to answer some questions for I believe you and for Tom and you guys are yes. doing that live talk in Toku. The live talk in Toku. But, I had asked a question about how long the sword was. I believe Raz uh, wanted to know how long Legacy Saba was. And the representative I spoke to with Bandai said he couldn't give me an answer because they were still waiting for the research and development team to finalize everything. So not only was that a prototype, it's a not finalized prototype. Same with the Tiger Zord. Those are literally hand-painted, probably hand-painted resin models. They're probably rapid prototyped. And painted for the show. Yeah, completely hand-painted. I saw your picture of the purple uh, Drysera, and you could just see the brush marks on that thing. Oh, yeah. Well, here's something that uh, I don't think a lot of people reported on, or maybe they didn't pay attention. Maybe they didn't. I didn't pay attention because I was running around like crazy the entire time. (laughs) The Wolf Ranger key that was in the big billboard and the Wolf Ranger key in the two-pack right. two different colors of purple. We mentioned that on the live talk in Toku. Oh, yeah, that's right. I think maybe yeah. I, to, I took my cell phone up there. I was like, look. Yeah, because that was Uchi. He pointed that out. He said the one in the pack is maybe metallic and darker, but the one on the wall is a completely different shade of purple. I would argue that the one on the two-pack was more accurate, and the one on the wall is kind of a mm-hmm. light purple. It's the color of Drysera. What? But... <laughs> What about those Dino Charge items? I had Jordan, a.k.a. Deno. He was with me, and I don't have the Japanese Sentai stuff. I don't really collect the mechas. I'm sorry. So I had him with me to compare kind of between them. He kind of said that it looked like with the T-Rex that the Mm -hmm. head had had moved from its original location to basically the rear end of the dinosaur. So there's going to probably be not transformation (laughs) as much as pulling parts. So so what you're saying is when it comes to... The Kyoryuger merchandise coming over to America. Bandai literally <laughs> put... You have to edit this out, I think. <laughs> put, put its head up its a- <laughs> <laughs> I'm, keeping, I'm keeping that in! <laughs> you, you, couldn't, you couldn't even spit it out! You're already laughing! Oh, God. <laughs> I, I, I will make no comment towards that. I will just I will say that obviously creative freedom has to be taken with the yes. older parts. Yes. Yes. And then basically the reason do I say is purple. Again, it's one of those things where a Well now, now you you actually got an answer for them. 
kind of an answer, but that was widely reported from the Toku Nation Twitter. Yeah, well, I, I think I made them mad by saying that, so now they, then they kind of went back and either changed their answer or they didn't answer the question anymore. Oh. But it was one of those things where, okay, if you've ever done marketing, especially yes. in the United States, regardless of how the social change may be happening in our, our life right now as far right. as marriages and things like that, whatever that's changing – the idea still is for a mass majority of all businesses out there. Number one, Power Rangers is targeted towards a young boys yes. demographic. It is considered a boys yes. toy. That's yeah. not to take anything away. That's not to make any kind of sexist remark. That is just how it is. It is considered a boys toy. That in in mind, you don't make toys to market them towards girls. Right. Pink has been traditionally for the last in a, in the in the United States for the last I don't even know longer than a lot has been considered a female color. And let's be honest, Dricera was a bright pink. A mm-hmm. kind of not even a dark hot pink, but a bright pink. They could left it, it's still a girl color. I mean I don't right. understand I don't understand why everyone's getting mad like, oh Banda, you suck, you destroyed it. It's still a girl's color. It's still purple. Mm-hmm. You know, it's more of a royal purple now than anything else, but it's just one of those things I kind of led the question on, kind of made the comment, is it because it's a boy's toy and you don't and the response was boys don't buy pink. Okay. Yeah. You know, and that's not. I don't think it's fair to hate on them for that right, at all, because right. you know and what? For the majority of the four-year-olds that get that, who are boys, yeah, yeah some may not care. Yeah. Some may be like, "Oh, I don't want a pink toy. It's for girls. Girls are icky." Yeah, exactly. And, and they are. They really are. <laughs> <laughs> well, speak for yourself. Um, no, but <laughs> I keep bringing up Toy Fair, but I mean that's the only thing I can compare it to going to an industry event like this. Yeah, they said for the Ranger keys, the girls' keys aren't going to sell as well. It, it's what just, little boy wants to turn into a girl Power Ranger? Right, and it's just from that marketing to little boy mentality. That's what they care about right now. And that's the thing. A lot of people can harp on Bandai for being sexist and, and not even trying. I mean, you know, we've talked about this on our show. But yeah, I can understand from a marketing segment and a marketing mentality that you have to cater to what the majority market is. And for all intents and purposes, Power Rangers for the last 21 years has been the premier boys brand. And and you got to remember, too, they are branching out. I mean, people don't realize it because it goes completely over their head. But look at like Power Rangers Samurai. They had a Halloween commercial, right? Yes. One of the kids in that commercial was a girl. Yep. But where was all the good for you, Bandai, and good for you, Saban, and way to go. We're happy for you. Where was all the, the praise for doing that? Yeah. My thing is just look at Bandai. How many girls' toy lines does Bandai have? Right. In America. Technically, you could probably say they really only have one toy line, period, right now, which is Power Rangers. As a company, they are not necessarily financially successful in any other thing other than Power Rangers. Power Rangers is a number one boys toy. Well, not number one. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is number one now, but it's still a top five, top ten, whatever boys toy. It's not that they hate women and they want women out of their demographic. It's just if you have a customer base and 99% of them is male and 1% of them is female and 99% of them will buy this product and 1% of them won't, who do you cater to? Bandai's been in the game long enough where they know their audience and they're very profitable at knowing their audience. If they really didn't think girls' stuff would sell at all and that they hated women and blah, 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 blah. There wouldn't even be a pink and yellow action figure in the you line. Wouldn't have, you wouldn't have a pinker – you wouldn't have a female Power Rangers, period. It'd be a team of five dudes. It'd be like Common Rider every year for the most part until this year. 
It's one dude, two dude, three dudes, five dudes, eight dudes running around hitting each other. And I don't see a lot of people harping on <laughs> on Common Rider for that. Again, I'm not saying that it's right. I'm not right. saying that it shouldn't right. change. I'm just saying that I understand why they're doing it, and I think making a big, angry fiasco out of it, whatever. You know what? If it's a big, huge deal to you, maybe they'll go ahead and do a special repaint for San Diego Comic-Con next year, and then when it doesn't sell... You can try to yeah. figure that out for yourself. I mean, it's, it's common sense. It's logic. It's not necessarily right, but it's right there in front of your face. Well, you know, moving on to all the female viewers, <laughs> have, I just want time to Thanks. a Ranger Command Power Hour apologizes segment. <laughs> I'll insert the music. <laughs> I just want to apologize to all the female listeners. Please know I'm not sexist. I love girl Power Ranger things. I wish there was more. I'm hoping that we get the female cyan color in, in Dino Charge. Even though I don't think they'll do it, I still hope we get it. I want to see a yeah. male Violet Ranger too, because I think it's important that guys have that color scheme in their repertoire, as well as things like pink and all that fun stuff. Mm-hmm. And I gotta agree with the, as a male, wanting more female stuff. When I went to my local Target the other day and found the Jungle Fury and RPM key packs, I got so excited because it was like, oh, sweet, I have yellow rangers. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, f- finally! <laughs> y- you know what? I hug my female Japanese ranger keys every night because well, I'm like, thank that's God. That's sad. <laughs> hey. I'm not wearing yellow or pink or like light blue when I come see you in October. <laughs> yeah, I got an idea. You'll wake up in a stupid and be like, Yellow Ranger, come here, I'm going to hug you. You're the biggest ranger key I own. Oh, okay, I'm not a creeper. <laughs> okay, b- moving on. Moving on to the announcement I, that... I, I think this is the biggest announcement ever, and you were at the Shout Factory panel, Chris. Yeah, me and like 25 other people. Yeah, I saw when you saw the picture, when, when there was the picture that you guys tweeted where you were like, oh, you're waving, and I saw all the empty seats. I'm like, are you kidding me? Shout Factory find, is awesome. I want to find out who was running the Shout Factory Twitter account from that room. I never did find them. Did you guys what? ever? Did you guys, did you guys watch the Twitter play that I had with the Shout Factory Twitter? I, I did. I was watching it live. Like I wanted to see forth, their... and I was like, yes. hey, wave, I can see you wave. And I sent a picture. They're like, I can see you. You wave. And then the lights turn. <laughs> like, oh, God, it's dark. I can't see you. <laughs> it was back at, like, they stopped covering their own panel to start tweeting jokes with me back and forth. And I never did figure out who that was. I was looking around. So I don't know if that person listens, but hi, that was me. <laughs> so this is huge this news. This is monumental. It's Shelf- really fact- Pissed off Shout- the guy selling the bootlegs downstairs. <laughs> uh, so, Shout Factory, if you're living under a rock, has announced that Kuro Sentai Zoo Ranger is getting an official release here in the United States, which marks the first time that officially licensed Sentai will be available on home video in the United States. This is incredible. This is fantastic. I'm so excited. Again, this is monumental. The concept of officially released Sentai here in the States is just mind-boggling, and I'm excited. Part of my brain's dripped out of my ear because my brain partially melted from this news. Yeah, it was... (laughs) Just shocking, and you know, and I'm sitting there, and I'm I'm refreshing Twitter. I'm pressing F5 so hard, I'm afraid I'm going to erode the damn button. And there it is, boom! Oh, by the way, 
Sentai here in the States, officially licensed. You're welcome. It's like, you may uh, as well drop the mic and walk off stage at that point. Chris, what can you tell us about the announcement since you were live at the panel? There was some cheering and some clapping. Jordan, who was next to me, was, was very excited. Uh, he was the one who asked the question about Mystic Knights of Tirna. No, <laughs> yes. And he asked Master Rider. I didn't know he was going to do it. Every time he gets up to the stage to ask a question, he did it a couple times over the weekend. I kind of cringe because I'm like, oh, no, what, what's going to happen? What, what's he going to say? But uh, no, I mean, it was exciting. My reactions on Twitter, I mean, I, just to give you an idea, it was the most retweeted tweet that our Toku Nation Twitter account has had in like a year and a half since before last San Diego Comic-Con. Like it got over 60, it's like it's 60 retweets. So I know some people are like, that's nothing. But for non-contest related stuff, that's kind of huge. That's massive. Yeah. Yeah. And it got a ton of play on Facebook. Uh, My Facebook page for it kind of blew up a little bit with the likes and the shares. Oh, oh God. When, when I shared your article on Ranger Command's Facebook, Facebook was like, hey, this is the most liked thing that you've <laughs> done. Or they're like, this has been seen by the most people. You should boost this post. I'm like, no, Facebook, I'm not giving you money. Well, the <laughs> funny part was, was that when Jordan asked Brian Ward about yeah. Mystic Knights of Tiranog and, and Master Rider, he kind of revealed a little thing like it was Saban. He hasn't said it since, but during the panel he said it was Saban who approached Shout Factory to be like, For hey, Sentai. why don't you guys, have you guys thought about trying to a, subtitle some of the Sentai shows? And then, okay. they, you know, then he went ahead and said, oh, so we got in touch with Toei and, and Saban and, and the three of them signed a deal. So my only fear, my only fear, right. I have no idea, with Saban's involvement, how censored or uncensored parts of it oh. because there's if if you follow the translations appropriately there's some some swearing there's some, oh. some if saban is behind it and wants to market it as power rangers japan or something like that which don't put it past them they might you never know right right I'm not saying they will but i mean we are we are not them we don't know what their game plan is on it would that mean that it's officially released censored subtitled episodes? You know, mm. I, that, that's a question that we'll have to ask Brian Ward in the future. That was a common fear I saw in the postings on the M board, the Mecca board on 4chan. And the threads were full of people saying, well, you know, are they going to censor it? Are they going to do something stupid like subtitle it so that the Red Ranger isn't Geki, it's Jason. Right. It's a legitimate concern, I feel. Yeah, yeah, those are legitimate concerns. And I know Ranger Board has released a thread, much like they did when Shout Factory announced the DVDs for Power Rangers, and it's the official board that Brian Ward can visit and get suggestions. And Because, thank God for Brian, because he is very active with the fandom and he listens. He comes to the fandom to learn about what we want in a release. And I really hope he takes that into account. I have no doubt that shout factory is going to release a quality product because I've basically double dipped in their power ranger DVDs because I think they do amazing work. So I have faith in them, but I can see those legitimate concerns. Brian Ward did say that working on the Power Rangers DVD sets and the uh, Legacy Collection that they did uh, is probably one of the most proudest things he's most proud of while working for Shot Factory. And that's what some people were joking. It's like 
with the Sentai announcement, they're like, oh, well, you found a way to work on more Power Ranger-related stuff. (laughs) I think we got him hooked now. I don't know. I'm glad. Now, what I saw on Twitter and probably what you guys saw on Twitter was also a lot of hate for this announcement. Like, oh, God, why Jew Ranger? It's a horrible show. And my reaction was, look, if this doesn't sell, we're never getting Sentai here again. Mm-hmm. Like, this is our shot. If this blows up and sells out or whatever, you you can be guaranteed that we will, we will be getting more Sentai. But if this fails horribly flat on its face after the years of people saying, I want official Sentai DVDs, I want official Sentai, and just because it's the Sentai you don't particularly like, then that would be the fandom's fault. Yeah, I was actually just about to bring up that point. Is that's what I lost a lot of people on Twitter. Oh, why did it have to be Jew Ranger? Jew Ranger is boring, or it's it's not good. And I posted a tweet saying, you know, I've never seen it, so I have no bias. But the fact of the matter is that exactly what you said. This is our first shot with official Sentai releases here in yeah. the states. I don't care if you thought it was god awful. You buy five sets and you smile because. <laughs> <laughs> that's my, I'm sorry, my, I'm sorry. Yeah, I know I'm going to be buying maybe uh, a couple sets, one for my collection, you know, one to give away maybe here on Ranger Command, mm-hmm. and, and that's a promise. I want to support this. Shell Factory, what they did with the Power Ranger Legacy and the Mega sets, it's quality. In the past year, ever since, you know, I started buying their DVDs, I've dipped into their other shows. I've dipped in the Mask and... Mystery Science Theater and some of their horror Blu-rays, just because once I finally got one of their releases, I was like, man, this company knows what they're doing. Yeah. As someone the... who suffered through Rhino Home Entertainment before Shout Factory got uh... the license, trust me, Shout Factory is worth it every single time. Yeah. <laughs> every single time. If this sells well, this may open the door for future Sentai releases, Die Ranger, because it has the White Ranger, so people would understand connection. And then it's new powers! Exactly. There you go. <laughs> well, here's my fear, and I hope fans aren't cheap, because, you know what, there was some Zoo Ranger subtitle projects going on, and I gotta give major right. props to uh, Grown Ups and Spandex, who took all theirs down once this announcement yeah. was oh, made. That was such a classy move. Good on them. So, awesome on that one, but my fear is that people are gonna be cheap and be like, well, why should I go buy it when I can download it for free and it's already been subtitled and, and it's probably more accurate anyways. <sighs> that happens though if enough people are like that, guess what? It's not going to work. It's not going to be successful. We've seen this in other Toku related items from Shell Factory, Big Bad Beetleborgs. We don't have that last volume. Why? It didn't sell. They have no incentive to make a fourth volume to keep going. And for a while there, VR Troopers last volume was in danger and then there was enough fan demand to bring it back and we got the last volume can i I throw something out as far as big bad beetleborgs go sure just random i'm not going to go into details or anything like that but uh if you guys like big bad beetleborgs and you like you know they had that big reveal last week about some sh figure arts coming out yeah like the blue Big Bad Beetle board. Oh, yeah. They showed the shadow board. If you guys really think those are awesome figures and you really want to see them brought over, bug Bluefin about that, please. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'll do it. Because first, Shadowborg, also Vengex from Forever Red. Come on, we can finally recreate Forever Red. <laughs> in, in figure arts form. Come on. 
Almost, almost in figure arts. Form. Almost, yeah. almost, yeah. Right, right, right. You, can, you can have technically one. <laughs> if Benjix comes out to, um, yeah, that's okay. So you can well, have like okay. forever red minus ten. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> Well, I want to go back to what you said, Chris, about Grown-Ups and Spandex pulling their torrent of it. And did TV Nihon, did they pull their torrent as well? Because I thought I remember seeing a post about that. Let me check right now, actually. Oh, they said, but is it a big game changer or is it just one series that we'll have to pull? That's the part I'm not so sure about. If it expands out beyond Zoo Ranger, it can affect other series that we work on. Okay. In any case, we do have one episode of Ju about three-fourths of the way done. I think it should be okay to get this one out, but we'll probably end up pulling the torrents when more details come to light. So okay. don't worry, everyone be cool, and we'll get through this. That's what Takanoku posted on TV Nihon. So yeah, I think by having these people who supplied these torrents in the past coming forward and saying, hey, this is a thing that's happening. We're going to take out the method for you to be a dick and not support this is a good step. I think that as long as the providers are saying, hey, listen, you have official channels now, we're going to do the right thing and say no more freebies. We're heading in a good direction. That's the thing I know a lot of people were worried about. They're like, well, how is this going to affect fan subbing in the future? Well, the thing is, I think... Saban and maybe Toei have let it go on a little bit is because this is the way for American fans to get excited about these shows. And at least from my perspective, I think the import market is strong for Sentai toys to the United States. And I could be wrong, but I feel they may let fan subbing slide a little bit because it gets them more money in the end with the merchandise. It comes down to whether or not, I mean, honestly, Toei doesn't want their stuff on Daily Motion or on YouTube. They will pull their right. stuff down any chance they get subtitled or not. They mm-hmm. do not support their stuff being right. shared, just like Saban does with Power Rangers. However, and Saban has come forth to Ranger Board and was like, hey, you know what? We're not going to tell you. Cease and desist on the DVD file sharing, right. but please stop. And Ranger yeah. Board uh, commented and said, okay, fine, yeah, we won't allow the DVD quality stuff to be shared anymore. Yeah, But yes, you have to be aware. I mean, it does open the possibility of now if Toy is like, yeah, go ahead, Saban, you can go ahead and distribute subtitled versions of all our Sentai all over the world. That would open the possibility for Saban to be like, sweet, let me go talk to Overtime and TV Nihon and Acer and all those people real quick. Yeah, and we saw that with a little bit of that game, the Chromo, Chromo Squad. I was just going to bring that up, actually. Did we talk about that in the past, or did we you have not. talk about it on Toku Nation? We did a news article on it, but I didn't okay. do it on any kind of podcast. Because I wanted to bring that up, because that seems really sketchy. Yeah, for Saban to come in and say, hey, we own the rights to Power Rangers. Your game is an awful lot like Power Rangers when in reality Chroma Squad is a loving homage to the Super Sentai genre, is really, really shady. And and the fact that they actually released an announcement today, they said that the beta was out, I think Martz, the PH gamer on Twitter, tweeted me what their Kickstarter update was. And they said, hey, for all our Kickstarter people, here's the newest beta release. But by the way, we're still in talks with Saban and trying to resolve that issue. Mm-hmm. Clearly, they're making it a legal issue. I think it's good on the Chroma Squad development team 
because the way that the article sounded initially basically sounded like strong arming or whatever. Exactly, strong arming for Saban to come in and say, "Hey." Either, scare tactics. Exactly, well. exactly. Yeah. Either you share a portion of the profits with us, or we shut your ass down. And that's not good. Especially uh, for a fan-backed Kickstarter exactly. crowdsource project. For, a, for an indie-developed game. Now, if this was, you know, Activision coming out and saying, hey, we're making a Power Ranger game... Uh, but, well, yeah, without Saban without licensing Saban, approval? Yeah, I can yeah. understand Saban going after that. But going after something that's so vague in concept where it's lovingly throwing homage to a whole genre and not just Power Rangers. Let me add my my two cents to it real quick too because I talked about it on the boards of our Toku Nation when we reported the news like a week later after it's already been reported but we discussed or at least I brought up Saban may not necessarily be doing it for themselves, so to speak, but might actually be doing it to protect their license holders that they have, whether it be with you know, whatever company designed their game on Nickelodeon or whatever kind of stuff there is on Facebook. There's all licensed out to see something that looks like Power Rangers going on and them not to do anything. That could piss off some of their, the people that have signed their license licenses. agreements with them and been like, you know what, if that's going to happen, then why should I pay you? If you're going to let that person do it for free then just let me do it for free. That is a possibility, too, that you have to look into. So before people just assume that Saban is this huge, money-hungry... Well, they they have investments and licensors and partnerships that they have to protect. Exactly. You know, there are people that paid for the license to actually be able to do exactly what Chroma Squad is doing and call it Power Rangers. Well, Chroma Squad got other people's money to do it, to do it their own way and call it something else. And I'm not saying that they're wrong by any means. I don't think there was any kind of ill intent planned whatsoever. But, you know, as if I were to be a licensee, so to speak, of Power Rangers of Saban Brands, I'd be a little ticked off if I was making a web game and stuff like that. And then here comes this other company that got all their money from Kickstarter people. So I didn't Mm -hmm. have to spend any, they did spend any of their own money. They got other people to give the money to make something that doesn't have to go through approvals and all this stuff, and then they get to release it as a game and even sell copies, and I am stuck. That's going to make me mad. I'm not going to want to redo my contract if Saban wasn't going to go do something about it. So take that angle, too. Any other? I just white-knighted Saban. That's awesome. (laughs) You're welcome, Saban. (laughs) We'll talk later, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) So, Chris, any other experiences that you want to share about San Diego Comic-Con, maybe just the general overall feel of it, the craziness. What did you get? What did, exclusives did you get? Oh, geez. Um, I got the two Tamashi Banda or Bluefin Tamashi Nations exclusives, so the Vegeta and the Armored Black Ranger. Mm-hmm. I managed Thank to you. get myself one of those Jell-O Puddin' Pop Green Ranger keys. <laughs> got a Masterpiece Prowl from Entertainment Earth. I bought the Ninja Turtles, like the four-pack movie turtles on Impulse, because everybody I was with was like, man, I want to get those movie turtles. Yeah, those turtles look pretty sweet. I got them. I'm sorry. Not gonna lie, they look like crap. <laughs> they look like total crap. If you're thinking that they're like stylized and textured to look like the movie turtles, they're not. And I'm pretty sure my Leonardo might be slightly mentally challenged just based <laughs> on his eyes look. Um, there's a picture I think I threw it on Twitter or on my Facebook or something, but if not, I'll send it to you, Eric, and you can add it to the banner for this week's episode. But, I, oh my god, that would be amazing. I think one of my coolest things, like, alright, so here we are, me and, uh, and Jordan, Deno, over at Toku Nation, mm-hmm. talking Toku, we're walking around and there's this guy in a Spider-Man costume. 
he's got like a camera and he's like doing a really good Spider-Man. Like he's doing like the Peter Parker in the Spider-Man suit cosplay. Like he's oh nice. To take other people's pictures. Like, Hey, can I take your picture? Can I take your picture? That's awesome. Cool. Yeah. Whatever. We both come and we're like, that's a really awesome costume. The kid's like, thanks man. And he kind of wanders off. Okay. That night, viewing like my Facebook feed. Turns out that was Daniel Radcliffe. Oh, <laughs> are you kidding me? No, they, they eventually revealed himself as Daniel Radcliffe, the star of Harry Potter, was at Comic-Con cosplaying as Spider-Man. <laughs> Holy crap! Yeah, I had seen that story. You knew where I was going with that, so... Yeah, I, I did. As soon as you mentioned Spider-Man, I was like, oh, sh-. <laughs> I did not know that. That's awesome. You so basically that- told Daniel Radcliffe he had a great costume. Someone who does never has to work again makes more money than I'll ever make, and you know, I tell him like, "Hey, dude, good costume." Like, you know, I meant it. Like, I don't think it was a great costume. You know, I was gonna be like, "Yeah, I could have done better here and there." But <laughs> which movie costume are you trying to do? Because they're all wrong. <laughs> but you know, that was fun. And then I did get to, and that'll be on the next episode of Talking Toku. I did get to sit down with the Super Mega Force cast. Yes, That's for. Awesome. 15, 20 minutes, and just chat. It was a lot of fun. Cameron Jibo, he's going places. I'm calling it right now. That guy will he, go places in his in life. Like, he will become very successful. You can tell from, like, all of his interactions with fans and the interviews that he's already done, even though through Power Rangers, I don't know, he's got that attitude about him. Like, he knows what's up. He sounds like a fun guy, too. He did that video game live chat thing. Because I sat down and he was the one, he wanted to answer all my questions. He wanted to go first. He wanted to do this. He wanted to do that. He was like bent. He was like leaning over poor uh, John Loudermilk. Like he was just all over him trying to get to the microphone I was holding. And <laughs> it was fun because I tried to get everyone involved. It's hard to interview six people right. all at once. Uh, so I had to limit my questions to group questions. And mm. I will say I did ask a variation um I want to say it was Morphin K who asked me to ask about influences or stuff from crew members. Whether or not they were just being polite or that was like the greatest question they've ever heard in their entire life. Sitting through two days of nothing but people coming up saying, here, scrunch together, take a picture. Now move over here and take a picture. Now do this Morphin pose and take a picture. Now sit down, we're going to put you on camera and you're going to answer the same question six times, you know, Mm -hmm. 42 times a day. So whether or not they were legitimately excited, I'll never know. I hope so, because they were a lot of fun to talk to, but they loved that question. They went on for probably, of like the 15 to 20 minutes I interviewed, that was like 15 minutes worth of answers from each one of them just being like, oh, we got to thank this person, and this person was awesome, and then we got to tell you a story about this guy on the cast. So I make a joke. I'm like, you realize when people hear this, they're going straight to IMDb and researching like every single one of these people and then contacting them for their own interviews like in the future, like, you know, that's what's going to happen about the boom mic operator who held a boom mic for someone very famous. You'll have, to, <laughs> you'll have to listen for that one. But they were, like I said, they were a lot of fun. Saban was really, really nice. They let us come in, take pictures, pick up anything and everything that was in the room to play with. Because, yeah, that was the media suite, right? Yeah, it was the media suite. It was a little bit different than last year. Last year when I mm-hmm. went, I was a guest of another individual who went. When we went in there, it was very, they were just kind of chilling, hanging out going on you want to talk yeah we could talk cool yeah awesome they'd let groups of like three or four people in to like hang out right. this time it was just the power rangers just the mm. power rangers. and then uh two individuals from Saban brands and the bartender who was sitting behind the bar and nice. every single media relation and then 
certain VIP, like I saw, I saw someone from Bluefin Tamashi Nations hanging out in there. I saw someone from Bandai hanging out in there. So it was mm-hmm. kind of like the trio companies hangout lounge on top of that. Last year, like I said, it was just you kind of walk in, you can hang out, walk up to someone, and be like, "Hey, what's up? How's it going? How you doing?" You know. This year was more streamlined. Like I walked in and there was an interview in process and an interview mm-hmm. waiting to start right after that, and then it was me. So the first interview, what I walked into was it kind of, it, it sucked in a way because we were trying to take pictures of all the product they have. In the right. meantime, they're trying to get them all to pose up against the wall and do all these funky poses uh, for whatever, whatever other press outlet was there doing it. And I'm like, because we only got a 30 minute segment. And I was like, oh my gosh. So I'm going to waste all my time sitting here waiting for this person to finish their pictures. But I'm just trying to get the product pictures and stuff like that. Then the next person comes in and it's a video interview. So they do this big interview and he's asking questions like, what's your favorite Ranger to turn into? And uh, the Megazord, it's pretty cool, right? You know, I'm not taking anything away from it, depending on what right. your audience is. Cool. I, my assumption was my audience knows who they are. My mm. audience knows that they're not really, shh, but they're not really Power Rangers. <laughs> um, they're actors. <laughs> and are more curious as to the creation of the show and the behind-the-scenes aspect right. of the show as opposed to... OMG, what was it like working with... What's it like to morph? What's it like to work with Jason David Frank? And oh, God. Can you tell me any funny story? They get those questions all the time. Yeah, I, didn't right. want, I, didn't, I didn't want to do those questions. I didn't. And I cared more about the... I asked them what they were what they're doing now. That you've been done filming for a year. What are you doing? I mean, obviously, you're still in the contract. They're all incredibly, incredibly nice people. So will be, that be on the next Talking Toku podcast, or will that be something separate? Yeah. Whenever I release it, I don't okay. know. I, I download. I just downloaded the file from my audio recorder just to check the quality. It turned out pretty good. I might have to amplify a couple things because, like I said, nice. it's a group. But you'll know exactly. I mean, there's some stuff that not even Morphin K or Nightmare know that the other people were not only up to but have finished working on. Oh. Oh. And, oh. and what Azim and Christina worked on sounds really, really awesome. So wow. yeah, and then. Andrew gave himself a plug, so I'll have to make sure. I... <laughs> Out of all of them, uh, Cameron Jibo was your favorite just to talk to. and well, I'm not going to say favorite because I don't think that's the right oh, way right. to well, describe that. Because they were all, favorite. like I said, they're all incredibly, I mean, yeah. you sit there and it's like, oh, you know, well, Christina didn't talk much and Sierra didn't talk much. But you know what? It's like, what am I supposed to say? Right, right. Uh, to them, it's just some creepy 32-year-old guy that's like, oh, my God, how's it going? I'm a big fan of Power Rangers. <laughs> Breathes heavy because he's got nasally things. So he's <laughs> tell me about the time when you. Well, I have pictures that I'm actually editing that I'll throw up. You'll see Azim's just like he's sitting over here and he's standing up and he's over here. I mean, I think he had like six Red Bulls or 22 cups of coffee once too. But <laughs> but Cameron was the one that was like, "All right, let's do this," and he switched from American accent to New Zealand accent like in a heartbeat, and it was whoa. I just. <laughs> And it's not to take away from any of the rest of them, but if I were to judge based on first impressions, I would say that Cameron Jibo, like I said, will go places. They all have potential and the ability to go very far. They're all very talented, and they're all very beautiful people. Let's let's call it what it is. They're all good-looking right. people. Good-looking yeah. dudes, good-looking chicks. Cameron, if he is really like he was in the interview in real life, dude, that kid's not going to have to work very hard to make a lot of money. I'm just going to say it. Nice. So you'll hear it in the interview, and you will see it when you guys come to Power Morphicon. Oh, I so. cannot wait. I Yay! I'm so excited. It's so. going to be awesome. Speaking, wow, that was a good segue, Chris. <laughs> I don't know if you meant it that way. I did mean it that way. Come oh, on. I, I love you. So, oh. 
speaking, no homo. Uh, <laughs> or maybe. Uh, no. Uh, speaking, speaking of Power Morphicon. Which I'm no sit- longer going to. Wait, what? Oh, you scared the crap out of me, so I don't know if I want to go sleep on your floor anymore. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking about hugging ranger keys? And... I, I, I was... Uh, okay, I'm, I'm joking. We're, we're bros. We're, we're not bros. But not in that way. You're not helping your kids at all, man. Oh, yeah. I'm not. Anyways... <laughs> Bring your girlfriend on the podcast real quick, because <laughs> she's not here right now. <laughs> of course not. Oh wait, hold on. She is a real person. Shut up. Hi, Eric. <laughs> I hate you. Oh dear. But you said you loved me. <laughs> <laughs> it's a love-hate relationship. <laughs> oh. Um, okay, sorry, I'll shut up now. Speaking of Power Morphicon, Chris. Since the last time we did uh, guest announcements for Paramorphicon, they released a ton of people. So let's get through that list very quick. In the order since we last recorded, Hector David Jr., Power Rangers Samurai, Super Samurai, Green Ranger. John Telligan, writer for Ninja Storm, Dino Thunder, SPD, Missile Force, Operation Overdrive, Jungle Fury, and RPM. David Yost, original Blue Ranger. That's awesome. It's going to be great. Richard Horvitz, the voice of Alpha 5 and Invader Zim, and he is bringing along his buddy Ricky Simons, who did the voice of Gurr from Invader Zim. So now I have to bring my Invader Zim box set for them to sign. (laughs) Nice. Herbie Baez, Beetleborgs. He was Green Hunter and Titanium Silver Beetleborg. G. Bowden, Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad. He was Malcolm Fink. Troy Slayton, Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad. He played Amp. I'm actually really excited because I've been re-watching Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad. It's not that bad. It's a really good show. It's fun. Douglas Sloan, writer, director, supervising producer, MMPR, Turbo, Zeo, Ninja Storm, Dino Thunder, and probably the biggest news that's also related to the Jew Ranger DVD announcement, they got Yuta Mochizuki, Super Sentai actor. He was uh, Geki, Tyranno Ranger. He was Common Rider J, Tuxedo Common in the Sailor Moon musicals over in Japan, and J1 from Chojin Sentai Jetman. I'm speechless. They got the Austin St. They got our Austin St. John pretty much. <laughs> yes. I mean, he's not, he's not the original, but he is basically, it's Geki, man. It's, it's yeah. The Japanese red Ranger is the way we all referred to him as until I'm so excited. I can't wait. I will be paying top dollar. If they do a photo op together, I am so in for that. <laughs> yeah. That's, and you guys tweeted at me like, Oh my God, Zach, did you hear, did you hear, are you flipping out? And I was just kind of like, no, I'm not really. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know I should be, but I'm not. Because, again, I haven't seen G-Ranger, and I haven't seen any of Yusha's works. It's fantastic that he's going to be there. I grasp the gravity of the situation. This is amazing, and I'm excited for that. Conspiracy theory time. Uh Uh-oh. Oh, Oh, yeah. And I... Do you think? I I tweeted this, and you made it blamely clear, like, no shit, Eric. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think that Savan and Shout Factory went to... Scott at Power Morphicon were like, hey, we're going to announce this business over at San Diego. 
the week before San Diego, you should announce this business. Yeah, I think they totally planned that. I Yeah, it sounds like the timing is too suspicious not to be planned. That's like, hey, we, I, got, we got the Japanese, you know, Zoo Ranger actor, the Red Ranger. You're like, oh, that's awesome for Super Saiyan. And Saiyan's then everyone cool. flipped out when Power Morphicon announced him. And of course, it's a conspiracy theory. It's us yeah. being like, man, it's us pushing the glasses up against the floor. I'd be like, well, let's see here. <laughs> I just, I, I don't, I don't think it's, yeah, coincidental. Let me just leave it at that. I don't and, know, for sure, but it's just my, my conspiracy theory. And gee, wink, wink. I bet we'll be seeing Brian Ward at Paramorphicon to maybe film some bonus features for the Jew Ranger release as bonus features. So moving on, Hiroshi Maeda, who is a Super Sentai common writer, suit actor, stuntman. He did the stunts and suit acting for the original Red Ranger in both the U.S. and Japan. He was Red Hawk from Jetman, the Red Ranger in Zeo, in Turbo. He also did the Turbo Megazord suit acting. In Space Red Ranger, he was the suit actor for Red Galaxy Ranger and the Magna Defender in Lost Galaxy, and the Red Ranger for Lightspeed Rescue, Time Force, Wild Force, Ninja Storm. He also was Kamen Rider 1 in Kamen Rider the First and Kamen Rider the Next movies. And he was also Dragon Knight in Kamen Rider Dragon Knight suit acting. Kamen Rider Dragon Knight, like the U.S. adaption, or was he Kamen Rider Ryuki? I don't know. I'm just going off what Paramorphicon said. <laughs> Yasuhiro Taguchi, Super Sentai actor and stuntman, he was the suit actor and stunts for the original Green Ranger in the U.S. and Japan, and he is one of the most recurring suit actors. He has been in every series from Five Man all the way to Tokyo. Many Super Sentai movies in different roles, also stunts for Power Rangers and various Kamen Rider series. He was Super Zeo Zord Blue or whatever from Zeo. I remember that. <laughs> That's very specific. He was also a Tokyo Blue in Tokyo. Yes. Awesome. Jorge Vargas Jr., Navy Blue Ninja Storm Ranger. <laughs> Kimberly Crossman, the Red Samurai Ranger. Only for one day, sadly. Anne Austin, writer producer for Master Rider, MMPR, Zeo, Turbo, Ninja Storm, and Dino Thunder. And then they basically have the entire cast and stunt cast from this Fujiyama Ichiban project. So they have Takahiro Kikuchi. Yumi Yamagawa, Yuki Luna Yamagawa, Wilsa Darrow, Shota Suji. And so they basically have all the people from this Fujiyama Ichiban, which I'm very curious to see. That was the big announcements. It's just been a crazy past couple of weeks for the Power Rangers fandom. Until next time, I want to thank you guys for joining the podcast. Uh, Chris, where can people find you on the internets? Sleep. <laughs> that's probably the best and most honest answer uh, if, if you want to troll me my personal, my personal twitter's at rankle r-a-n-k-l and then uh obviously anything and everything tokunation.com is usually me troll me i don't care <laughs> i think you'll be asleep to the world the whole next week i lived through san diego comic-con i can handle any troll right now <laughs> Zach, where can people find you? Same as always. You find me on Twitter at the Cinema Slob. <laughs> and then you can find me everywhere at TrekkieB47. 
and at Ranger Command PH. Ranger Nation, let us know what you think. Have questions? Email us at rangercommandph at gmail.com or check us out at rangercommand.com. Also, if you're listening to the show on Saturday, you have about four days because we are having a contest, the How I Ranger Command contest where we are giving away a great super mega prize pack full of some good prizes and you basically just take a picture of yourself and how you listen to ranger command we want to thank everyone for the support the past six months our last episode with our ranger roundtable was the highest rated episode of our show so we want to thank everyone for the support so we're giving back in this contest. I think it's a fun way to interact with other listeners. So you can check that out on our website or the hashtag how I Ranger Command. That's it for the show this week. So thanks everyone. Bye. You've been listening to the Ranger Command Power Hour, only on the Four Eyed Radio Network. You can catch a new episode every other Saturday. Find us on the Morphing Grid at www.rangercommand.com. Follow us on Twitter at rangercommandph and like us on facebook.com slash rangercommandpowerhour. This has been another proud production of the Four-Eyed Radio Network. You want to see more shows? Go check out www.4eyedradio.com, you winkers.